Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook app. So fired up. For today's guest, Stefania Bell, a fellow Princeton Tiger. We'll get into that in a little bit. I believe she's been on the Fantasy Feast podcast before, but I don't think she's been here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, but she absolutely deserves it with the unbelievable work she's done this offseason with Alex Smith. Really months and months of work and footage Can't wait to dive into that with Stefania, especially with the new news that came out related to Alex Smith on Friday. It's a new week, which means we'll have a new Spread the Word winner via social media. About a million ways you can win that one. Retweet or like on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. Or even just subscribe to the new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or comment on that. We will have yet another subscriber shout-out at the end of the week. Norm, I hope your daughters enjoyed that shout-out from this past week. You subscribe this week, I'll give you a free cameo-style shout-out on YouTube and email you the link. Sponsor confirmation email winners. As always, you guys know the deal there. You hear me talk about a sponsor, or you go to rawsucker.com, you see a sponsor, take advantage of it, ask me any question you'd like, on the show, and I'll read and respond to it, and you might even win a little something-something. Speaking of a little something-something, there's a lot to get to today. I mean, Jamal Adams, NFL, NFL PA stuff. We've got other transactions, but I want to start with Stefania Bell. She is today's big show. The Big Show. Well, you can check her out on Twitter at Stefania underscore ESPN. I mentioned earlier she is a fellow Princeton Tiger, although I believe, Stefan, and we've talked about this before, I believe you got in based solely on your own academic merit, right? You weren't like a recruited athlete? <laughs> I used to, I remember when they would be doing tours around campus and uh, my roommates and I'd be walking by and we'd want to yell to the group, hey, we got in. 
there's always hope. <laughs> like, I could never figure it out. I kept thinking they'd take it away from me. I was so glad to get out with a diploma. So, Well, yeah, Estefania, yeah. I know we talked about this when you came on the Fantasy Feast podcast once, but can you refresh my memory and the listeners as to how you went from Princeton to the medical field to being an analyst for ESPN? It's a, it's, it's a journey that was long and winding and I'm not sure it, it was painful. So I'm sure nobody wants to hear all the details, but uh, the bottom line is I was a physical therapist um, shortly after I graduated from Princeton. I worked in the training room there and that's what opened my eyes to physical therapy. I think I'd always wanted to go into medicine. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And then during um, all the, you remember work study programs back in the day, my work study job was in the training room. And uh, it was very hands-on. There weren't a lot of us who did it because it was a big time commitment and very different than all the structured athletic training programs you see um, certainly around the big schools now. But that's what opened my eyes to getting into rehab. And I really liked it because you got to spend so much time with the athletes and really got to know them as opposed to them coming in under anesthesia, having surgery and you being done with it. So it really changed my my course of my career and that I worked in sports um, and orthopedics for uh, quite some time. And over the course of that, I also developed an interest in fantasy football. And with all the questions that my league mates would be asking me because they figured I knew injury recovery times and, uh, you know, kind of the truth about injury reports. And this is back when injury reports were far less detailed than they are now. Not that the reports are super detailed now, but there's a lot more information that's available because of social media. And so that that just tipped me off that there was an interest in that kind of information, that it could be valuable and potentially monetized. And so I, the details don't matter, but I ended up getting into writing about it. And then did a little serious XM radio with Rotowire, who's the group I worked for before. That got the attention of ESPN. I went there, auditioned, and uh, I've been there. This is now my 12th year. It's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. It's kind of like Princeton. I hope they don't change their mind at some point and I just, you know, they yank it away like, what have we done? <laughs> you know what, Stefania, you do a terrific job. You are ESPN's injury analyst providing a lot of value across a bunch of different platforms, including fantasy football. But you did something a little different uh, over the last couple of years. And in particular, we finally got to see it in a feature earlier this offseason with Alex Smith. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely mind-blowing. I guess I want to start, though, at the end real quick because there was actually news that came out on Friday. You wrote about it, and we'll get into Alex's whole story momentarily. I think a lot of people probably watched it, uh, and if they haven't, I'm sure it's available online somewhere. They need to go ahead and watch your feature on Alex Smith and his comeback from his injury because uh, my wife and I were just, I mean, we were, it was like a Saturday night. We were in bed like, holy crap. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. But let's start at the end because there's new news. And evidently, Alex Smith, despite everything he's had to overcome, has actually been cleared to play football again? What's the deal? 
So, you know, the, the wording is, is important here. He was cleared for full activity by his surgical team. And the lead of his team was Dr. Robin West, who is the head team physician for the Washington football team, as they are currently called. Um, so very much the orthopedic surgeon who is the lead physician at the team was part of the decision maker saying he was cleared for full activity. And you have to remember, he had this very complex fracture. And so the healing of the bone was critical to arriving at that decision. And, and um, as I said in the newser from talking with Alex, he said that they told him when they got together, you know, you can do anything you want. If you want to go snowboarding or skiing tomorrow, you could do that. And so full activity, contact, from their perspective, he was cleared to return to do that. And as he said, I was never sure I'd hear those words again. So that was pretty amazing. Now, as far as football goes, uh, still has to pass a physical when he returns to the facility. I believe that they report today. Um, and then, you know, even Alex would say, he doesn't know exactly what he'll be able to do. I mean, part of, if you don't get the clearance, then there's no ability to even go and try, right? So he's got the clearance to go back and now see, can he do football things? Can he avoid a pass rush? Can he move that quickly? Can he uh, step up and, and make throws that he needs to make? So there are a lot of steps to go before we would necessarily see him on the field, but this is a huge victory regardless, because this gives him the opportunity to just see what he can do from here. That's very well said. Uh, so let's go to the start now. And I'll get back to Alex Smith at the end. But I guess my question is, how did you... So it was 20... Well, I'll let you tell the story of when his injury was and what he went through. And my question for you to lead into that is, how did you connect with Alex and his family in the first place? Uh, well, the injury was in November of 2018. And um, we have to start there to explain this. But he, uh, he, he basically, he was sacked. And in the process of trying to avoid the sack and getting taken down, he suffered a nasty fracture in his leg. And it was, um, well, is called a, a compound tibia and fibula fracture, meaning the bone pierced the skin. Uh, that injury, uh, first of all, the fracture itself was, when I say a nasty fracture, the, the shape of it, it was a spiral fracture. So if you think of like a corkscrew crack going up and around the leg, as opposed to what I think we think of typically with a fracture, like a straight line break, this was something that really, um, basically damaged the bone from almost the ankle to the knee because of that corkscrew shape. And then a piece of it punctured the skin. And when you puncture the skin, that creates all kinds of possibilities for uh, the introduction of infection. So you think of it, you're on a football field, uh, you got sweaty uniforms, you've got, in this case, it's a grass field, grass, mud, water, anything can get in there, which is why it becomes an emergency. You go to the hospital, they flush it out, they do the surgery, et cetera. And they put you proactively on antibiotics, but sometimes things still go wrong. And in his case, he developed an infection. That infection um, for, caused him to lose a lot of tissue. And 
he was in the hospital until January. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not true. He was in the hospital until I think December because um, he came home shortly, shortly before Christmas, maybe. I, I have to get my days right. Um, it's been a while, <laughs> but he was in the hospital for a long time and having subsequent surgeries and, and them getting rid of the infection. We got introduced in January of 2019. Um, he had, after he went through all those surgeries in the hospital, was asking his physician, Dr. West, who I referred to previously, uh, who he could talk to, who'd been through something like this. And, and he just wanted some guidance of what to expect and how to approach it. And she said, you know, there really hasn't been anyone who's had an injury like this before, certainly not in the NFL. And she reached out to folks at the military because they were the only ones who'd really seen this type of injury in athlete, uh, in athlete. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Keep going. He was on guard duty. So um, in any event, through the course of all of that, uh, he decided he wanted to document this journey because there wasn't a roadmap. And he thought if somebody else ever comes along and is dealing with the same things, maybe it would be good to capture all this. And as they spoke, she said, well, I think I've got someone who would be a good match for what you want to do. Because she and I are colleagues from the sports medicine world and have known each other for years. And so um, she introduced us. Alex and his wife, Elizabeth, and I had a long conversation about what that would look like. And the long and the short of it is then we decided we would work together. And ESPN, of course, wanted to do this story. And so through the E60 group, we um, met all together in January. And we worked together for a year and a half. And again, I, I cannot emphasize this enough that people need to watch the E60 feature that Stefania did. It was one of the best things I've watched on television. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Best is a way to describe it, Stefania, because of the graphic leg images. I, you know, it was the best, but it's it it, it, it's uh, you're just not used to seeing stuff like that. And even I, I'm a football player. I've seen a lot of bad injuries, but the graphic images of his leg and all of the tissue that he lost. Talk to me about Alex, his wife, you, the ESPN producers, deciding to show that footage. It's never easy when you are dealing with that kind of graphic uh, imaging because you know that it's gonna be shocking to the audience. And certainly in a delicate situation like this, you're not trying to bring it in for shock value. But if you think about it, now that you've seen it and you know his story and you know the injury, you can appreciate that we were never going to be able to capture in words or some other form of description just how severe his injury was. There was really no other way to tell it. And I think Alex from the beginning has wanted this to be authentic. He said to us at the beginning, you know, some people would say, well, you know, we'll decide which days you're here. They don't necessarily want you there for the bad days. Alex had no idea what the roadmap would be. We didn't know uh, that he would be doing this well at this point. There was still a chance he could lose his leg when we got together. 
And he wanted it all documented because he said, if it's not all there, if it's not, if you're not here for the good and the bad, then it's not authentic. And so in order to tell the story, we had to share just how bad it got. And, and that's what went into the decisions to include the images from the worst days. Well, I think it was the right decision because you're right. No matter what you say or the doctors say, you know, a picture really is whatever the expression is worth a thousand words. And to see that, wow. I mean, like I said, I've seen a lot of bad injuries and I've never seen anything like that, uh, which I guess leads to the question, uh, Stefania, and we talked about it a little bit earlier when you talked about next steps and even Alex would say he doesn't know what he's going to do. You know, I think he has three children, maybe. I can't remember. Um, am I right? Right? Mm -hmm. Three? Yeah, three. Oh, okay. Three. Two so, boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. All right. So I got to be honest with you, Stefania. I'm not in that situation. I never have been. But I have two little girls. And my wife and I watch that. And I think she said something to me like, he does. he's not going to really try to play again, is he? And, you know, that was my reaction, too. Mm -hmm. So I guess I don't want you to speak for him, but, you know, knowing everything he went through and knowing what his leg went through and what it looks like, th does he really want to play again? Here's the thing about Alex. He might be the most competitive driven individual I've ever met. And I think that would surprise a lot of people because he's quiet. Uh, he's fairly reserved. I mean, he's not this fiery getting your face competitor, but everyone you talk to, everyone, and I mean, we talk to a lot of people, as you saw for that, they talk about how competitive he is, how driven he is, and uh, he's the hardest working guy in the room always. And I think that those qualities are part of what enabled him to get back as far as he has. But I also think those are the qualities that are telling him, you need to see how far you can take this because it's an unanswered question for him. Could I do this? Could I do something that no one has ever done before? Alex will be fine. I tell people this all the time. This is, he's got a great life and he knows it. And he, when we started out, he couldn't get out of a wheelchair. He was, he wanted more than anything to be the best dad and husband that he could be. He wanted to be able to play with his kids. He knows that being able to do that now, you know, you saw at the end where he's running around with his kids. That's, he, he's won already, right? Everything is gravy at this point. But the competitor in him knows that he needs to see what it is, how far can he take this? And he's also the kind of guy that, look, if, if he gets to this point and he can't play, uh, he just, the body won't take him quite that far, he'll know. And, and, and he'll acknowledge it and, and he'll step down. But, uh, you know, this is a perfect opportunity. Look, this setup for camp is really made for him in this year, this strange year of the pandemic. But we've got this ramp up time that's going to be very slow with no pads and conditioning. And I'll be interested to see, you know, assuming he gets the clearance to get out on the field and, and do what everybody else is doing on the field. We're going to learn as he goes through it whether he can be on a football field or whether 
uh, that's that's something that he won't be able to do again. Unbelievable work, Stefania. Can't recommend people following you on Twitter enough, at Stefania underscore ESPN. So anytime there's an update on Alex, you see it. You got to watch the E60 feature. While I have you, though, I have to ask one other question. This is maybe more of a fantasy question, but Cam Newton, Uh Stefania. (laughs) Cam Newton, okay? Um, Do you think after the shoulder and the foot surgeries, he can be the guy he was in 2015 and 2018 again, or is that unrealistic? Well, obviously we don't know because we haven't seen him really play healthy in like three years when you combine the the injuries. But I do think this can be a bounce back season for Cam for a number of reasons. Um, I was at training camp last year. I, I remember saying this not too long ago and I was thinking, was it really just last year? Because it feels like forever ago now. But last year I was at Panthers camp and he was coming off that procedure on his shoulder. And at the time, uh, not only was the team totally comfortable with where he was in terms of his activity and practice, but Cam had full range of motion pain-free. That's what he said. It was the first time he had been pain-free. And if you remember the year prior when he was trying to throw and his arm was bothering him, he was contorting his body. He was, you could see him trying to get leverage from other places because the arm wasn't cooperating. That was no longer happening. His arm was fine. But shortly into the preseason, he ends up with the foot injury. And then we never really saw a healthy cam after that. He tried to come back, but the foot wasn't cooperating. And he had surgery on his foot. Now, he had a subtle Liz Frank injury. You know, wasn't the... They, there's a wide range of Liz Frank injuries. So I think people hear it and they think, oh, it, it's horrific. Uh, you have to have surgery. You know, to get. I understand there's confusion around it, but... It's, it's like a, any other sprain, there are degrees of injury. He didn't have the obvious instability, fracture, dislocation injury. In fact, he had a stable list, Frank, meaning it did not appear that it would need surgery. And they did conservative rehab with him with that in mind that he'd be able to come back. But foot never felt comfortable to him. He could never load on it properly. And ultimately, that was the reason to shut him down. He got the surgery when he did. But he had a modified procedure. So it wasn't nearly as extensive as a typical list Frank surgery. And now his foot is great. I mean, it's one thing for him to say it, but to be quite honest, the things that he posted on Instagram while he was a free agent waiting for a team, he wouldn't be able to do those things if he was still having problems with his foot. So I think the year off, the combination of being recovered from those two things mixed in with a chip on his shoulder, because I don't think he didn't get the offers that he wanted. And now he's he's playing on this very um, good deal for New England, <laughs> and he wants to prove himself on a on a one year deal. That's a guy who I think has a good season ahead of him. Stefania, thanks so much for the time. <laughs> Anybody that plays fantasy football is going to have a good season ahead of that time ahead of them if they listen to you. Keep up the great work. That oh, Alex yeah. Smith thing was extremely powerful. Can't emphasize that enough. Thank you so much for getting up bright and early with us this morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. From one Princetonian to another. There you go. Stefania Bell, at Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter. Excellent, excellent work. By the way, speaking of excellent, Thursday night, my wife made me pork sliders from HelloFresh. 
absolutely delicious. Then Friday, I had our nanny, because my wife works, make these beef bulogi bowls. I think they're bulogi bowls. Am I saying that right? Bulgogi, bulogi, I don't know. Absolutely delicious. You are talking now to maybe the charter member of the HelloFresh fan club. Absolutely awesome. You save time. I, You guys know I would not steer you wrong when it comes to food. Tastes ridiculously good. It's fresh. Like it says, HelloFresh. It's healthy for you. It's flexible. It is absolutely awesome. Huge, huge fan. And I still have one more. It's like a chicken fig thing. I think we're going to make it tonight. Um, chicken fig chicken. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you about it next week maybe. But right now, what you guys need to do, you must go to HelloFresh.com slash 80Ross and use code 80Ross to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. HelloFresh.com, 80Ross. Use the code 80Ross. I would not steer you guys the wrong way when it comes to food. So, so good. Ducks takes. All right, Ross, well, you talked about it with Stefania. Any other thoughts on Alex Smith's remarkable story? And, and by the way, I absolutely have to agree. What an amazing E60 that was. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thought, Brian, is I know how competitive he is. But he's also a really, really bright guy. I think he was like an academic All-American. I think he had like a 4.0 in high school. Three children. Knowing what he went through, I guess I still find it hard to believe that he would actually go out there and put that leg in harm's way and, and allow it to be subjected to contact. I just, I don't care how competitive he is. I don't care how well the rehab's gone. You know, that leg has still been compromised. And I can't imagine he would let defensive linemen be able to run into that leg again. So we'll see. See if he even passes the Redskins physical or the Washington football team's physical, I should say. I don't know how you even pass him on that physical if you're the Washington football team. And then if he gets hurt again, I I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to still unfold probably over the next week or so. Speaking of remarkable stories, Chiefs right guard Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif has become the first NFL player to publicly opt out of the season as he wants to continue to treat his patients in Canada. So, Brian, you enjoy that. I Admit did. it. You, you enjoy the – you think you're slick with your French pronunciation. I also like saying Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Yeah. You know, you you still didn't own it. Say say, say his name again. Laurent Duvarnay Tardif. Okay, that was pretty good. Thank you. I, I really like to me it's Laurent Duvarnay Tardif. Laurent Duvarnay Tardif. You know what they call him, by the way, Brad? Do you know this? No, what do they call him? They call him Larry. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like, if you play for the Chiefs, you call him Larry. I think it's like at Larry or LDT maybe, but like the old line coach, Andy Heck, calls him Larry. That's awesome. Anyway, uh, so yes, he's been on the show before. 
incredible human being, unbelievably impressive that he's gotten his MD while he's an NFL player. Uh, that would be like impossible to do in the United States, but it's incredible that he's done that. And he basically said he wants to be helping patients as opposed to maybe causing them to causing there to be more patients. And he's missing out on three million bucks to do so. Now he'll get the hundred fifty thousand dollar advance, but it's just an advance on next year's salary. I tweeted this at Ross Tucker NFL. It'd be hard for me to be more impressed by or have more respect for a guy than I have for Laurent. Uh, so impressive. I will say this from a strictly football standpoint: this hurts the Chiefs. Left guard's already a question mark. Now right guard's a question mark. They did sign. Kaleche Osemele to make sure that they have at least one of those two spots with a veteran stalwart guard in KO. But he's had his own issues the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, both sides of the line, they've got question marks at guard in Kansas City. Something to keep an eye on. Tucks takes. The other really big news over the weekend, really big trade between the Seahawks and the Jets. Seahawks get all pro safety Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick. Jets get two first-rounders, a third-round pick, and safety Bradley McDougal. A lot of thoughts here. Number one, when you publicly call out the owner and say the head coach isn't the right, the right guy for the job, that's about as good of a way as any to get your ticket out of there. I mean, you call out the owner and the head coach, I don't care what they say, they're going to be open to moving you. But I still don't think the Jets would have done it unless they got this incredible offer from the Seahawks. Two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Bradley McDougal, who, by the way, is pretty good. Bradley McDougal's a pretty good safety. So totally understand this from the Jets' perspective. They're not really going to be a contender this year, I don't think. And this gives them a chance to build – and to try to be, get closer to being a contender, although now you're in Darnold's third year and you're, you're getting to the point where if he's the guy, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. They've essentially wasted Darnold's rookie contract now is what they've done with this trade in New York. That said, I still like it for the Jets. He obviously didn't want to be there. He was going to be a malcontent, and they got a lot in return for him. I mean a lot. Because those late first-round picks, they're really inexpensive. I mean, really inexpensive. So I like this trade for the Jets quite a bit. For the Seahawks, wow. I mean, they're going for it while they have Russell Wilson in his prime. I get it. But for that much of a haul, uh, he, he's got to make a huge difference on the field. An absolutely huge difference. And now they got to pay him. Evidently, he's going to play under that contract this year. But then they got to pay him, Brian. It seems like it was such a long time ago, but the NFL and NFLPA agreed to terms for the season, including two different kind of opt-outs for players, 80-man rosters, increased practice squads, and how they're going to handle the financial ramifications of the season. So I'll get into the financial stuff with Andrew on Wednesday. No need to talk about that today. 80-man rosters make me sad because 10 guys for each team that were like me were getting cut. I'm just telling you, I would have been one of those 10 guys. Undrafted, zero signing bonus from Princeton. 
Makes me very sad for those guys. I understand it. Flip side is increased practice squad. When I was coming out, there was five guys on the practice squad. Now there's 16 this year. So a lot more places to actually get paid this year. We mentioned two opt-outs. You can get, I think, 375 maybe um, if you have pre-existing conditions and opt out for this season. Um, so that's the other thing. I wonder if any guys have pre-existing conditions end up doing that. It's going to be a big week in terms of guys testing positive and guys opting out. Huge week in the NFL this week. Takes. Finally, we'll get to some other roster moves. We'll start with the Bears trimming tight end room by cutting Ben Broniker and trading Adam Shaheen to the Dolphins. And the Giants cut place kicker Aldrich Rojas as Rosas. Rosas? Rojas. What are we saying? Rosas. Rosas, right. That's what I thought. Okay. As a result of his off-field arrest, and that was a doozy. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. If he was a really good player, they'd probably try to figure it out. He's a kicker. He's a decent kicker. He's gone. Uh, Shaheen is a sixth-round pick or seventh-round pick that can move up to a sixth-round pick depending on playing time. He was a disappointment as a second-round pick for the Bears at tight end. And Broniker from Harvard. They called him Bronk in the Ivy League. Wouldn't be surprised if he lands a spot somewhere else. He's done some good things in the Ivy League. Shout-outs today go to Pizza Boy Brewing. If you saw my Twitter and Instagram, I had a bunch of those bad boys at Ross Tucker NFL over the weekend. DynastyFreaks.com. Make sure you check out today's college draft with my guy Emery Hunt. He's an absolute stud. And Wednesday... We'll have the Even Money podcast. New guest on that with me and Fezzik. I think you'll enjoy him. And Andrew Brandt to break down all the financial stuff. Whew. Lots of stuff to get to with Andrew on Wednesday. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.